there's a tremendous amount of confusion between customer service and customer experience. And when you're thinking about customer experience, that's proactive. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Behind the Cover series, where James Robert Lay and Audrey Canada break down lessons and insights from the books they've been reading. We understand that in a digital age, taking time to read can be a true challenge. But here at the Digital Growth Institute, we believe learning is one of the four exponential growth environments. So let's go behind the cover. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 209 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Behind the Cover series, where today we are going to be taking you behind the cover of Never Lose a Customer Again, written by Joey Coleman. Now, Joey joined me for a conversation going all the way back to episode 168, and joining me for today's conversation is Audrey Kanata, operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute, who will provide some perspective around what she is seeing through the training, coaching, and research we are doing here at the Digital Growth Institute. Welcome to the show, Audrey. It is so good to go behind the cover with you again today. Thank you, James Robert. Excited to uh, have our second episode of this series. Before we we get into talking never lose a customer, what is going well for you right now? What's good? Personal, professional? It's your pick. Well, it's the summertime. So, of course, I have a lot of fun vacations and and events planned. So really looking forward to that extra time with my family and friends. Speaking of vacation, you know, I've I've got the week of 4th of July blocked off. um, And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go anywhere. But then kind of last minute found a little farmhouse on Airbnb out in the hill country. And we had some gift cards. So I was like, you know what, we're going to we're going to go hang out with some chickens and goats, see what happens with the kids. Put them, there you go. Put Take them to, some good pictures. Put them to work out there, too. Absolutely. But It'll I'll be t- a vacation they don't forget. But I'll tell you what, you know, t- speaking about never lose a customer, I'm so impressed with the, the responsiveness of the host of 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 this little farmhouse and what they've done is they've taken about i don't know maybe they have like 20 acres or so 30 acres and they've put these little houses out there and so they're creating this little experience but she's been so helpful she's been so friendly and it really plays nicely into this whole never lose a customer conversation that we're talking about today which is where i want to i want to dig into the subtitle of the book here Uh, which is turn any sale into lifelong loyalty in 100 days. Uh, I'm curious, what is it about those first 100 days that is so important? I think during that first 100 days, 
your customer is going to experience a lot of different emotions. Mm. So you may have gotten the sale, but they're still going to have that potential buyer's remorse. They may have some confusion. They may have some questions that they need to be answered. They may not be 100% confident in their decision. And I think it's really important that we remain by their side and kind of hold their hand through that process when they first join and don't make them feel like, okay, well, I've, you know, I've made the sale. Now I've been forgotten about. That's a fantastic point. Uh, the and, and really diving deeper into the emotional states of mind or the emotional states of being, because finances, money is a highly emotional, emotionally charged subject. And but when, when we think about financial services, we think about banking. Those that are in leadership positions aren't necessarily thinking with their their right brain. They're, they tend to be more left brain, analytical, analytical driven leaders. And, yep. and that creates a lot of gaps literally within the mind. And with that, with that in mind, how might banks, credit unions, fintechs be losing customers in the first 100 days because of this emotional gap? Well, I think when you're looking at banking specifically, you can relate it to healthcare. It is not something that people really enjoy partaking in. It's not something that people are typically excited about. So taking that into consideration, you have to really go above and beyond and find these other ways, these other touch points to connect with them at that emotional level, to get that confidence built with them because they're not excited to walk in your branch and make a transaction. So what can you do to create this positive experience, make them walk away feeling good about this relationship when ordinarily they're not going to be that excited about it. I, I like how you've leaned into this word a couple of times, confidence. Um, you know, it's one of the the very, very powerful emotional states. Like I've done something, I feel confident about it. I feel good about it because the antithesis of that is uh, maybe conflict. Um, if I, if I don't feel confident, I might feel conflicted. I might feel doubting that, well, maybe this wasn't the best decision for me. And as you mentioned before, people are going to go through a range of emotions. Clarity is another one. The antithesis of clarity is confusion. And I think there might be some confusion here when it comes to, we'll call this experience, just the overall experience of a financial brand, a bank, a credit, a fintech, of where growth opportunities are. Where where might they be? Because there, there are really only two different ways a financial brand can grow. They can grow through either A, acquisition, or they can grow B, through retention. Where are... Are you seeing most organizations spend their time and why? So most businesses are structured around customer acquisition and and not the customer experience and not retention. So many dollars, so much effort is put into acquiring, but not retaining. And I love how Joey Coleman in the book, he really likens this to dating. You think about you're trying to get someone to go out with you. You're working really hard. You're chasing them. You finally get them to say yes. They show up on the date and there's somebody else there. Mm. There's a different experience than what they expected. So there's that little bit of letdown. Well, wait a minute. You worked so hard to get me here. Well, now what? 
Yes, and I, I, I like that analogy as well because it is, you know, it, this particularly within financial services, to acquire a new account, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes attention, and, and a lot of times to acquire a new account, depending upon if we're talking retail or commercial, on retail it could be you know 300 to maybe $500 to acquire a new account. Commercial can be sometimes you know, 5, 10, upwards of $15,000 to acquire that account. But then what happens? Then it's, okay, well, we've got this new account. That is where we're seeing a tremendous amount of opportunity because of blind spots in what happens next over those first 100 days. And so knowing knowing what you know through our digital secret shopping studies and also through some of the insights that Joey shares in the book, do you think financial brands are even aware that they might be losing customers in the first 100 days? Are they even aware of the blind spots that are costing them big time to the tune of millions and millions and millions of dollars in loans and deposits, blind spots that, that, that they, they can't even see? I don't think so. Joey did some research and he shared it in the book. Um, and actually it was great because he, he leads his book off with a great bank example. He says that in his research, 32% of new account holders are going to leave within the first year of opening their accounts. And of that 32%, half of them are going to leave in the first 100 days. And going back to your $300 per account on new customer acquisition, that is a hard pill to swallow in terms of lost money or wasted money. When looking at the digital secret shopping studies that we've conducted, people will tell us it is a hassle to open a new account. They don't want to do it, yet we're still seeing people leaving their financial brands left and right. And it's interesting. You talk about the, the, the friction and the frustration, once again, feelings and emotions right there. Uh, opening an account is a hassle, but opening an account is only half the battle. I was texting the other day um, with Cassie LeBlanc and we were going back and forth on sharing a couple of thoughts. And one of the things that that she noted a big pain point was just because you open the account doesn't mean that the battle has been won. Then you have to move deposits over, but not just deposits. Then you also have to move over, move over all of the reoccurring billing, uh, the, the subscriptions, uh, the trans. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. And this is why nobody wants to do it. Right. And, and then, you know, if I, I love chapter two in the book, because Joey says, if a dentist can do it, why can't you? And this is so relevant to financial services because a couple of years ago, Viacom did a study that particularly around the millennial market, they said that millennials would rather go to the dentist than to have to deal with their financial brand. It's pretty powerful stuff right there. That is a very, very powerful statement. And so if if they would rather go to the dentist than to deal with their financial brand, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And, and you've seen some of this, particularly within one 
competitive analysis that we did that provided clarity into how much handholding is needed within the first 100 days of opening up a new financial relationship. What, what did you find in this study that, that we conducted and, and, and what surprised you here? This is one of my most favorite studies that we've conducted because it was so insightful and it was so interesting to see the responses from people when we conducted this study from this one financial brand during the onboarding process. We looked at the the communication and the number of communication and the ways they communicated over the first 60 days. And in that 60 day period, on average, users were receiving between 15 to 30 emails in their inbox. And what's even more interesting is of the group that we studied, 80% of those users did not feel like that was over communication. So 30 emails in 60 days, that's an email every other day, and 80% of the users did not feel like it was too much. And of those 80%, 100% of those were between the ages of 25 to 40. So that 25 to 40 age, those who grew up in the you know, technology age, this is not too much for them, which I found very, very shocking. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone. Because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. So that's a very practical perspective for the dear listener is to really think about your own first 100 days and how many communication touch points do you have within those first 100 days let's let's get a little bit of comparison here um i know of another organization that within their onboarding period there was no communication for the first two weeks there was two weeks of little literally radio silence uh, that makes people wonder. It's like, okay, well, what happens next? And I think that right there, that what happens next is, is, is so key because there's three questions that you can take within your own financial brand or fintech and ask from the lens, from the perspective of the consumer, which are, number one, where do you want me to go next? Number two, what do you want me to do when I get there? And then number three, how do you want me to feel along the way? Because coming back to this particular study that that you're referencing here, the reason that consumers were not irritated by the amount of communication was was because this particular brand was providing a vast amount of clarity, right? Very, very helpful content. In fact, we asked the users, what is it about the content that 
you found helpful or, or why, let me rephrase that. Why did you not find this communication overbearing or annoying? And they said point blank, it was a, it was a type of content they were getting. They were telling them about the different features, the different benefits. They were giving them opportunities to, you know, earn rewards or refer uh, friends. So it wasn't just unnecessary content or even narcissistic content that we see so often. You know, and, and that's so different from the traditional two 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 communication path that historically has guided financial brands, you know, onboarding within the first 90 days or, or in this particular case, 60 days, which was two days, two weeks, and then two months. And w- when you look at that comparative to this particular example that two days, two weeks, two months, yeah, that could probably leave someone feeling a little confused, someone feeling a little bit frustrated. Why? Because of the, the, the inherent complexities and cognitive load of money. Now, we also have condu- we've, we've conducted probably close to 1,500 secret shopping studies oh, yeah. at this point. And what I can pretty much definitively say it's the fintechs that do not shy away from overly communicating compared comparative to the incumbent bank or credit union. And I think because they're looking at the world through a different lens, um, which was another theme that Joey unpacked and never lose a customer is the difference between customer service and customer experience because i see that there's a tremendous amount of confusion with these two perspectives within financial services that is costing banks and credit unions once again millions and millions of loans and deposits what is the difference between customer service versus customer experience I think you're spot on. There's a tremendous amount of confusion between customer service and customer experience. And when you're thinking about customer experience, that's proactive. That is how you are affecting, how are, how are you going about affecting that customer's emotional feelings towards the relationship, towards their experience with you? Whereas customer service, that is a very reactive place to be. That is how you respond to your customers when things are going wrong or they have questions. So it really comes down to, are you being proactive or are you being reactive? And when you're proactive through the lens of experience, you tend to trend more from crafting experiences, engineering experiences, experiences built around systems and processes that are strategically defined, um, then they're applied. But I think that really the, the secret that, that we see, the financial brands that, that have some of the most highly charged from a positive standpoint, emotional experiences are the financial brands who continuously come back and review and optimize those experiences over time. And you can look at experience through a couple of different lenses. You can look at, as I wrote about in banking on digital growth, digital experience, 
and digital experience can be broken up into three subsets. You have the lead experience, you have the customer or the member experience, and you have the referral experience. You can also look at this through the lens of how is a digital experience um, uh, humanized, so the human experience, but then there's also the EX or the employee experience that I think is where a lot of focus is going to be uh, placed over the next three to five years because through our research, we're finding that a digital experience is only going to be as good as the human experience of a brand. And the human experience of a brand is only going to be as good or as positive as the employee experience. And I think that's one of the, the reasons that the, the, the best part of of never lose a customer, particularly through the lens of customer experience, lead experience, even referral experience, is is Joey unpacks a framework, eight phases of customer experience, and they're all A's, and I like them. You, have, <laughs> you do love all your uh, alliteration. I love I love alliteration because it just makes it so easy to remember, and and those eight phases are assess, admit, affirm, activate, acclimate, accomplish, adopt, and advocate. And and they really complement the banker strategy circle that we teach financial brands that aligns marketing, sales, and service teams. And and we don't have time to dig into all eight of these different phases, but but if there's just one that you would like to dig into to highlight for the dear listener, which of these eight phases would that be? I think that the biggest phase that financial brands can focus on or the biggest missed opportunity is the affirm stage. And Joey Coleman says in the book, and I love this quote, and actually I believe he's quoting somebody else saying this, but it is a sale is not complete until the customer receives a result. So oftentimes we make the sale, we, we open that new account and then they're just forgotten about and we're not addressing any doubt and we're not making them feel good. We're not giving them that initial dopamine hit to keep them coming back and to keep them engaged in the relationship and we're letting them go and, and not holding their hand. I will continue to advocate one of the A's from Joey's model here. I will advocate for coaching to be a part of the overall financial brand experience because it is through coaching you can continuously affirm and reaffirm both an individual's Goals for growth, whether that be on the consumer side personally, on the retail side, or or professionally, maybe as an entrepreneur or a business owner on the commercial side, you can affirm their goals, the future that they want to create, but then you can also come back and reaffirm the progress that they are making towards said goals. And there's no better way to deepen that relationship than through an ongoing dialogue discussion that happens every 90 days. 
What's your take on that, Audrey, this idea of, of, of coaching being a, a, a way to continuously affirm and reaffirm a person's decision that that has the potential to last for years, if not decades, if done properly? Absolutely. I mean, I think in the financial industry, you know, we, we talked earlier about acquisition versus retention. And, you know, this is one of the, the easiest areas to get that lifelong relationship and have that lifelong customer because there are so many different areas to, you know, cross sell. And I think when you're dealing with finances, because it is such a sticky subject, sometimes it is such a stressful subject for many that it's really easy to lose that confidence. And it's really easy to become, you know, frustrated. And so I think we underestimate how much people do need their hands being held. They need that guide. It's really, really hard to do it on your own. And it's that continuous touch point that every 90 days that I think is so important because people are going to get off track. They're going to lose sight. They're going to have other things that come up and priorities and they need that person. Uh, they need that person to hold them accountable and push them towards those goals. Yeah. And I think that that idea, and I'm a, I'm going to poke on this a little bit, but but I think what just happened is like your subconscious mind just said a word that we are so ingrained to say within this industry when it comes to onboarding. And I was just ch- talking with JJ Sly about this in episode 208, and that word is cross sell. Cross sell. I don't think we should be cross selling anymore. I think one of the greatest opportunities is to be cross helping, um, to really look for those opportunities to make those proactive recommendations because there's a, it's different. I mean, we, you know, we talk about this a lot. It's, it's a mantra help first sell second, because when, when you are helping, you are guiding. And when you are guiding, you are showing someone beyond the pain of the present moment. And, and, and just because, once again, someone opens that account with you does not mean that the journey has come to an end, their journey. No, their journey is, is literally just beginning, and they have given you really the, the privilege to play Gandalf, to guide them, or they've given you the privilege to play Mr. Miyagi um, or to play Obi-Wan Kenobi and provide that wisdom, to provide that knowledge, to provide that insight, most importantly, to provide that clarity. Because a lot of times when people are financially struggling, when things are challenging, it can feel dark and this is the opportunity to be the light, to provide a path, to guide someone forward beyond the darkness to a bigger, better, and brighter future. And, and you know, I, I get it. It is easy for financial brands to get trapped in the here and now, to get stuck doing digital. Um, it's like this onboarding piece it's like, oh, we'll come back, we'll revisit it, you know, every couple of years. But I'm really encouraging this becomes a top of mind focus because back to the points that Joey makes in the book, 
we spend so much time, effort, energy, dollars to acquire new accounts, but then we could, in theory, be be losing them as quickly as we're acquiring them if if we're not careful. And so, in 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 the book, he recommends a path forward to ensure that we we don't get stuck doing that we don't get trapped in the cave of complacency so that we can continuously maximize you know our future growth potential what's joey's recommendation here to continuously reinvest you know what we're doing to make it even that much better going forward so he recommends investing at least 5% of a project's profit back into experience enhancements, which I understand can sound like a lot, depending on the scale of your product, but you really have to be forward thinking. You really have to think about investing in a future relationship. It is that retention piece that is hard because it's not tangible. It's not, there's not going to be a quick return on your investment, but you've really got to see the bigger picture. Yeah, and and what that requires is to play a long game, you know, beyond the here and the now. But by by making this commitment, it, it is a fantastic way to differentiate yourself beyond the commoditization that every other financial brand is is focused or really positioning around. Number one, and you know, the argument can be made. Google commoditized financial services and you know we've moved beyond the product economy some argue we're in the experience economy but if 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 we're not careful experiences i believe because of digital and because of the way that financial services are set up you know we we we're, we're buying from the same technology vendors experiences have the potential to be commoditized as well. So what does that leave us with? Well, as, as, as we move forward, I, I predict that we're moving into what, what I'm framing as the expertise economy. And it's when our knowledge, our expertise, when joined and combined with our experience, that is what creates a multiplying effect for us to continue to move forward on our own digital growth journeys with confidence. If there's one thing, Audrey, that you could recommend the dear listener applies to help guide them forward on their own digital growth journey. And there's a lot. There's a lot. This is a thick book. It's an easy read though, right? Very, very easy. And I have to say, I really recommend the Audible. Joey Coleman does a fantastic job narrating. So if you are uh, a listener, definitely pick up the Audible. Yeah. And it, it, and so to to just really distill this down, what would be one recommendation, something small from the book that the dear listener could apply that could help them take their next best step forward to maximize their digital growth potential. Something small, something simple, because uh, there's so much practicality packed into this book that there's there's dozens and dozens and dozens of ideas, but what would that one thing be? I think it is that first post-sale interaction. Let them know immediately what to expect, what's going to happen next, 
What can they expect down the line? And do that right away. Don't let there be any room for uncertainty or confusion or being forgotten about. And it's very, very simple. It's a simple follow-up email that goes out minutes after or the next day, call and check in on them. Make them feel good immediately after making that sale by multiple touch points. Let's roll that back even further. It's what happens, particularly in a digital environment. What what do they see when they complete the application? What are those next best steps? What is being communicated? And that's something that you can go and audit and assess yourself right now. Are you providing them with clarity into what happens next? Go back to those three questions. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do when I get there? How do you want me to feel? Are are there expectations being set around time? Is there speed being met? Because speed is the new service. Speed is key when it comes to digital experiences. So these are all very practical things that you can do today. Uh, Start today. Go and just do a diagnostic, do an assessment, and see where you're at. And then also maybe even consider benchmarking your experiences against other financial brands, but I would say even more importantly, against other fintechs, right? Absolutely. This has been a fantastic conversation. Always good to go behind the cover with you, Audrey, to get real practical into the books that you're reading, that we are reading, so that we can continue to transfer our knowledge, our insights, overlay them with what we're seeing within financial services. What's the best way, Audrey, for someone to get in touch with you to continue the conversation that we started here today? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Audrey Kanata. Say hi. Drop me your favorite book recommendation. I love I love to add things to my list. So yeah, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Connect with Audrey. Learn from Audrey. Grow with Audrey. Audrey, what's the next book that we're going to be discussing here? Because this is this is a really fun series that we have going on. Okay, the next book, we actually said this on the previous podcast when we got them switched up. We are doing Tiny Habits for real this time. Tiny Habits, which really, I, I, I think the, the insights from this book play so nicely with what we are talking about in this conversation around building coaching into the overall experience of a financial brand. So I'm looking forward to that, Audrey. Me too. Until then, as always, be well, do good, make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.